Welcome to episode 347 of Live Happy Now. If you're looking to lead a healthier life this year, it's important to make sure you're getting your recommended daily allowance of fun. And today, we're going to tell you how to do that. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and this week I'm joined by Scott Novus, a former Disney executive and founder of Bravis, a company that helps businesses improve employee experiences through live and virtual games. He's here today to talk about how he uses fun and games to create happier workplaces and how you can use those same ideas to deepen connections and create more fun at home. Scott, welcome to Live Happy Now. Hey, thanks for having me. We are excited to have you. This is a going to be a really fun conversation, but also very meaningful because you are all about those two things, really connection, which is meaningful and having fun. So as we get started, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. Well, it turns out those two things are related, very strongly related. What we do is basically we help people play together. Our experience is that I've done a lot of research into, particularly for adults, is how do we form friendships? And the way I like to think of it is that we want to host an event where you could make a friend. How do you do that? And so a lot of, uh, particularly with the number of companies that have gone to remote work, we're seeing people feeling more disconnected than ever. And so what we do is we host fun workshops that improve your culture and help you create healthier teams. Oh, that's fantastic. That's such a necessary component right now because it is getting more and more difficult to connect. And it seems really odd that we live in a time where we can connect virtually with anyone anywhere in the world, and we have never felt so disconnected. How do you start bridging that gap? No, that's a great question. So some of it has to go back to the fundamentals. Like, how do we see connection? What is it? And where is this coming from? And I love this great quote about loneliness is a sadness that comes from a lack of connection. And so we talk about people feeling disconnected. It's really kind of a sadness, like feeling alone. And what we've noticed is that, particularly in the remote work environment, because this happened in my company, we went remote. We're like, okay, that's it. You know, COVID hit. <laughs> Everybody got home, got rid of the office. We're like, this is great. And then it was all task work all the time. And the problem with that is while we were productive for a while, one of my top employees left. And the thing that hit me in the face was none of this has anything to do with me. And it was that lack of personal interaction. And we thought about the offices are like engineered to cause people to bump into each other. And the key psychology term that I've learned is called unstructured conversations. It's when we share, when we get to know each other, when we feel like somebody sees us and cares about us. And when we're just busy doing task work, you don't have those opportunities. And so we started setting out, like, what do adults need for that environment? And how do we create that environment online? And what does it look like? And it was this awesome quote my wife gave me the other day that said, it's not enough to belong, Right. You need to do things together so your belonging has meaning. Oh, and you think, well, we're man. right. Yeah. So and you're like, well, we're doing task <laughs> work, but are we really like working together? Are we really, is it, and here's the big thing is it safe to fail? Right. I love this because 
we did have the water cooler conversations. We had ways of interacting and we had micro moments. You know, Barbara Fredrickson in her book, Love 2.0, talks about mm-hmm. the value of micro moments. Says just right. talking to the cashier, talking to the person in the parking garage, talking to your coworker just as you pass their cubicle office, whatever it is. And we took all that away and didn't think about what a void that was leaving. Huge. And so that gets down to like, how do you fail at a micro moment? You can't. So you can just be yourself. You can relax. But in a work environment where it's task oriented, man, it's the number one thing in all the surveys of all the companies we've worked with. I'll go through, is your work meaningful? You know, all these other things. And everybody's like, yes, yes, yes. We've gotten really good at those things. I go, what happens if you make a mistake? Boom. It's like, oh, that's career ending. Nobody can make a mistake. Well, that's a rough. What happens in an environment like that is you can't be vulnerable. As Brene Brown said, vulnerability is the path connection flows along. So we need to create a space where you either can't fail or it's utterly irrelevant, which is what play is about. When we play and we're, we can be open, and there's a really interesting thing about play. If I was going to teach you a class, all the science says that you're going to adapt your behavior to my expectations because I'm the teacher or the student. We all got indoctrinated in that. We all went to school. We all grew up with that. But when we play, you can only be yourself. So when people get together in teams, all of those impressions and that armor goes away because you're so busy playing, you forget who you're trying to impress. You're just caught up in the moment. And that creates that openness where people can participate. And so we really try to focus on games that are either cooperative, collaborative, or really, really try to minimize competition. Because competition, and this is probably where a lot of your listener stress comes from is we're so focused on excellence and competition and everything else. Well, that is kryptonite to vulnerability. That is kryptonite to openness. And so we're trying to, when we create our workshops and our programs, we do things where it's like, Hey, we've got to have a safe place for you to not worry about the outcome. And that's one of the reasons like we do a lot of stuff with video games. Cause like, who's going to take that seriously? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is really an exceptional approach to things because as adults, we naturally start distancing from play. It just is something we decide we're adults. Now we have to get serious. And, you know, I know in the past and live happy, we've talked about the importance of play and it's really difficult for a lot of adults to grasp how important that is because we oh. think we're supposed to be serious and, or we think there's this amount of time for play. Okay. Now it's get back to work. So tell me about your approach to it and how you've developed your programs to, for us to interact with one another in a fun way. I love it. Thank you. And I think for your audience in particular, women have particular challenges in the workplace today because they're hit with a couple of different things about expectations of like effortless perfection. So you have this, I can't make a mistake. Play feels frivolous. I want to be taken as a serious person that can make a difference. And then you're supposed to be perfect. Where's, <laughs> where's the stress, right? So how do we do it? So first, like one of the number one things, if, if your audience takes nothing else away from this, would be try to form a fun committee at your office. I've heard of called different things, love and joys, connection committees. I try to stay away from overly corporate names, something just a little silly. So people don't think they have to come in with a checklist and a bunch of stuff to do. But what we do is what's embodied in that is we want to create a safe space where developing better relationships with the people we work with is a priority. And so when we move that to the front, now 
what we're moving ourselves into, and I find this is really effective for a lot of people, especially if they have a nurturing mentality, if they're oriented to taking care of others, the fun committee becomes about how do we help our people connect? And what's magic about that is the first people's needs are going to be met by that committee are the people that most need to connect. That's who's going to volunteer. That's who's going to want to be on it. And their needs are going to be met because now they're actually spending time not working, but getting to connect with each other. And the next layer of that is there's increasing numbers of tools. I could talk about each one, but like you're seeing Zoom is starting to do this now where they've added games to the Zoom calls. Mm -hmm. How about that? To companies like us, where we do a complete turnkey service with professional commentators, because look, even executives, sorry, you can't host your own trivia. It's too stressful for you, the employees. (laughs) It's like... Like there's all these complexities that instead of it being this fun things, it becomes this weird stilted, like, do I really want to reveal to my boss how ignorant I'm about this stuff I don't care about? Bringing in a host, it's about creating a safe space. The term is psychological safety. We want to create a space where it's safe for you to make a mistake. And we understand that adults need permission to play. They need time. Is you've got to give them space to sort of gradually walk their way in. It's a progression. Because it's risky. Mm-hmm. So you want to know, is everybody else in? Other people, am I going to be judged? How's this going to go down? What's going to happen? And so the committee is that great step. The best things that can happen because an organization is endorsing, we care. We care about our people. We care. And honestly, it makes business sense because people are not loyal to companies. They're loyal to the people they work with, the people right. they have relationships with. What does a fund committee consist of? Like, how do you create one and who's going to be on it and what do they then do? Great question. So we had to do this internally because we realized we were losing people. We're like, what's going on? And we're a company that's all about connection. Like, how did we miss this? So we started asking our employees. So, you know, step one, survey your team. And you probably don't even have to survey them to know who are the extroverts, who are the social, who are the people that just love like at the water cooler or that imaginary water cooler, they would they would stay on the Zoom call for 10 extra minutes to find <laughs> about your kid, your dog. What did you do this weekend? When you put the call out, you're going to find somebody who's going to want to be a champion for this because they're craving that interaction. And then the next step is make sure it's cross department, across discipline. Is if you're doing it for, if you've got a small, if you're a giant company, it's obviously probably too much, but you know, it goes pretty far, right? So like our fund committee is, from sales and operations and finance, it's about six people cut across the whole company and they're focused and they have a monthly meeting and their agenda is planning quarterly events that will bring the staff together and get them to engage and share. And again, our goal is to create these unstructured, unplanned conversations. So we're all doing something together, but during that time, it's not so... You know, we're not trying to hit the dopamine, I got to check a box, get a task done. We're trying to create that environment where there's enough space for people to chat and people to talk. One piece of advice I strongly encourage is get everybody a camera. Got to have cameras. We need to see each other's eyes. And what's so different than Zoom and why we use games and we play games. So we have a whole host of games that you don't need to install anything on your computer. They're super trivial to play. Like... What we tell our people is that your mom has to be able to play this, right? That simple or? Yeah, <laughs> or that's that simple. <laughs> because the game isn't both, right? Is 
it's got to feel inclusive. Like inclusivity is like our highest value. We say, yes, you can play. So the number one answer to the question is, well, can I play is yes. We thought about it. We worked on it. So your team that's doing this, like one of their next objectives is they're sort of planning events is to start thinking about how does everybody participate? And there's some, there's huge opportunity and room for growth, but there's already games and platforms out there. Eh, some of them are a little silly and goofy, but that's okay. The more important thing is, and this is what's different than Zoom. In Zoom, we don't know where to look. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird thing for humans. Like our capacity to see our eyes, like we're the only animal scholar, lights of the eyes. We watch each other's eyes to know what's important to look at. We're constantly broadcasting nonverbal cues back and forth. And in Zoom, everybody's looking in different directions. Right. Mostly they're looking at themselves to see like, oh my God, can you see that? <laughs> oh, for sure. And there's a whole unhealthy narcissistic thing about that, which that's I spent too podcast. much time in front of camera, right? <laughs> When we play a game, I now am directing your attention at an activity, especially if it's a video game, because the graphics are going to fill your screen. And now you're doing something together and you're in sync. And once you get in sync, now the conversations become more natural. They become more, oh, all right. Now I'm lucky, right? I work at a video game company. Everybody in my company has a Nintendo Switch. So we can play really cool games. Like we can play things like Overcooked or we could play Mario Kart. We could get into these things. And like the way I rationalize it is, hey, I'm a video game company. And too, do you know what it costs to fly anybody anywhere today? (laughs) This is a much, much more affordable way of connection. Right. Yeah. It's like, hey, let's find a way to do this. Like our tech support supports your game console. How cool is that? Like we can't get in the game. Like we'll get you in the game. Some leaders are saying, yes, I know we've got to do this. We've got to bring people together. But playing games, yes, it's important, but then we're going to cut it off. You know, it's it's like I've worked with a company that does something very similar. They have a monthly meeting and it's like that one hour is fun. <laughs> right. And then it's done. And so right. what about that? How do you continue that, keep that kind of mindset going where things are, yes, we're working, but it does need to be playful and it does need to be fun. And we do need to have some sort of emotional release valve. Right. So yeah, certainly the capstone is a hosted event, right? When you're doing an event, everybody's like, yeah, we're playing. It's fun. We cut it off. What we are big believers in is habits. One of the things we do at our company and big advocates is the standing Friday coffee meeting, make it if you can. And so we have a basically a dedicated time for people to check in with each other. And we're not, work comes up, but what we're trying to do is weave human connection through our communication channels. So for example, we're a big Slack company. Two super important channels for us are people headlines and raise a hand. And I, as an owner, love the raise a hand channel because they're not like giving me suggestions. People are raising their hand going, I need help. Something's broken. And it takes a lot of courage. That goes company-wide. It takes a lot of courage to stand up in front of everybody going, hey, there's a problem. And our behavior is we're going to swarm it and fix it. The person's not the problem. There's a situation that's the problem. And the person needs help. And so that becomes another way that we support each other. And then the flip side is the headlines channel. As like somebody did an outstanding job, employees can give shout outs that go across the whole company with all these cool reactions and things people do. We're now getting a flavor, a slice of 
what's happening, what we used to hear in the office. Like it boils down to one word, intentionality. Offices were designed and engineered to create social interaction. The water cooler, open planning. Yeah, we hated cubes, but you hear what was going on. Those were unstructured conversations that we got to know people's preferences and what they were about and what they did. And so what we're talking about is these are some of the tasks that the fund committee can begin to look to be intentional saying, where else can we create opportunities for awareness and connection? So people feel like not only they belong, but they are doing something together. So the fun activity is a great one. Weekly coffee, share time, and you know it could be 15 or 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be a lot of time. It's that water cooler time. You could call it your water cooler meeting. Hey, we're having a water cooler meeting. Show up. And I really encourage leaders, make the time because there's just so much you can't hear through headphones and I mean, just through the work grind, right? Through the meetings, 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 meetings. Like sometimes you just want to sit back and eavesdrop and listen to people talk to each other. How often do you actually get to hear your people talk to each other anymore? Yeah, because when you are working remotely, it does feel like you're just checking off like, okay, I just got to get through my to-do list. And you don't have that natural break in activity and little shift in your mindset that we received when we were working in an office. And here's the real risk, right? We're in the middle of the great resignation is companies are now converting their entire work staff to Fiverr and Upworks employees. Because if I really spend no time with anybody else and all I'm doing is task work, then I'm happy to do that task work for a little more money and slightly better benefits somewhere else. Right. I literally saw that play out is after we had kind of gone through this process and really work through it. Somebody came after our marketing director, super awesome. We love him, didn't want him to leave. And it came down to the people. It was like the team he had built and the connections he had. He just couldn't imagine doing that at the other company. And he decided to stay with us. And that was just like, oh my, it was such a huge like vote of confidence in everybody. It was a lift for everybody. Like, wow, we, we really do like each other. Like we really do get along. We really do believe in what we're doing. And how do you put a dollar value on that? I know what would have cost me to lose that person in terms of salary and everything else. And if you took just that budget, go pick one of your key people and delete them. There's your budget. What are you going to spend to make sure that doesn't happen? And I know that that's easy to say for me, because I can make a decision like that. But at a really small level, one of the things that anyone can do, anyone can do, is I think make the suggestion, form a fund committee, do it on our own time. We're happy to do it during lunchtime and think of other ways to create these channels for people to interact. And especially if you can have events where you get people doing activities and fun things, even if they're not fun together, sometimes even a bad experience could be like, hey, we talked about it. Don't do that. That was a dumb game. We played some awful games where we have sampled a <laughs> lot of stuff. And there's some things this where- This isn't working. Oh yeah, we're like, what? What were they thinking? Like, they just stole an hour of our life. We can't get it back. And, you know, that's one of the resources we'd love to make available to your offices, what's available out there and what they can do, and a playbook for forming a fund committee. So I love what you say about, like, anyone could do it because not everyone who listens has a company or is in a position to be, like, you know, passing down, here's what we're going to do. So how do you do a grassroots fund committee? How can you start that, whether you're working remotely or working face-to-face right now? So I have to speculate a little bit because in my company, actually, here's what happened. They brought it to me, right? They're like, we need a fund committee. 
right? So after that first experience where somebody left and felt totally disconnected and we were all like looking at each other, it was one of my rank and file employees came and said, we need a fun committee. We were in the video game business. So you know, we're like, yeah, fun, of course. Like <laughs> we can't be in the fun business and not know what fun is. That would really hypocritical. But we ended up there. It's easy to get there for all the reasons you pointed out. And so bringing a proposal. So I'm an owner going, what, what, this costs me nothing. It addresses a core concern in the business. And the people that are really most affected by it are the people that want to be on this committee and do something about it. That was an easy yes. Sure. And, you know, sure, there's times where we've done a lot of things that we're free. And there's times they've come and asked for a budget. But it's always been, I go back to my rule of thumb. What would it cost me to fly one of my employees from Virginia, Kansas City, or Minneapolis to Phoenix for a face-to-face meeting? Okay, if I use that budget, I can engage my entire team in a fun activity. Done. Why is it so easy to buy plane tickets? We'll buy plane tickets all day long. Maybe it's because it's an expense category. But what about, hey, I'm going to use that expense to create connection. And the part I think some leaders struggle with, and maybe it's because this would be the biggest advice I'd give to the fund committee because they did it for me, is the leader doesn't have to do anything. They just have to show up. And so that's where having somebody else host, somebody else, like why we hire outside facilitators. It's really hard to be on the team and manage the team. And so when you do these fun events is you want to factor that in. Is putting the burden on a team member to lead everybody, you could do it. But if you can find somebody outside the organization to do it, it pays bonuses because people could just relax. They could that's, just kick back and enjoy themselves. That's awesome. And, you know, we know that play and fun is good for you. Can you address that a little bit? What does it do for us emotionally and with our productivity? So what I know about play is that it triggers internal motivation. So we call it intrinsic, not extrinsic. Dan Pink wrote a great book on it called Drive, if you want to know more. But what play really allows us to do, and it turns out there's actual neural circuitry in our heads to facilitate play. So this evolved for a very important reason. Play is the system where we find the boundaries of our capability. It really boils down to something Amy Edmondson talked about called impression management. Is It's a natural outcome. We want to know what to do. We want to know how to do it. So what happens when uncertainty hits us and time pressure? We may not know what to do, and we may not be able to do it. And we clam up, and we just get stiff. We choke. Play takes that pressure off and allows us to experiment and explore. And that's actually the space where most creativity flows from. And so play lets us find the edge, lets us find the boundaries. Play lets us go, wouldn't it be dumb if, well, let's try it. And <laughs> where you get in that space is when you get back to play, it re-engages that little thing in the back of your head that gets you all stressed out. It goes, well, wait a minute, relax. There's nothing at stake here. And once we're in that relaxed space, our cognitive capacity shoots through the roof. Along with that, our creative ability. We're able to think laterally. There are two types of intelligence and they're orthogonal. They're not related to each other. Linear, this is your classic school fix test, the thing Ken Robbins talked about. There's one answer, it's in the back of the book. That's your linear intelligence. But in today's work environment where things change constantly, we need opening or that, like, what else could this be? 
Like, where else could we go? There's not one answer. There's many answers. And play is the door we walk through to open up into our more divergent as opposed to convergent intelligence. We're suffering from too much convergent intelligence is that we get tied into a little box and we can't get out of it. It's stressful. We go into play, we can diverge and try lots of different things. And that carries over into the work we do. And this has so many great benefits for us. It helps our work, but it seems like this is something we could also use to bring our friends and family together. Like we could apply this same kind of mentality to connect with, with our loved ones that we're not seeing. So how can we translate that into, into our personal space? Oh, 100%. I would tell you that what we found, and it seems so silly, but it's real. Planning events is hard. And it sounds like, oh, we'll just get together. But what you can do is take the leadership. So one of the bonuses for like a fun committee is once you start researching what tools are out there to bring people together to do things together, you can take them home because they're not expensive. <laughs> Some of them are free. And planning a call, setting up a call and saying, we're going to play a game together. We're going to do this together. We're going to structure something we can all share. And I think that the big thing that is, isn't obvious, adults actually need permission to play and they get it from their peers. And so one of the other things that you can do is if you can make it safe for me to play, then I can make it safe for you to play. Setting that up, being the host and leading that, my experience is people really appreciate it. It makes a huge difference for them and it creates the connections we're craving. This is terrific. I'm really excited that you're doing this and this is something that we can share with our listeners. I know that you're giving us a, a download so they can, to help them create a fun committee and understand how to do that. And Scott, as, as we wrap up, what do you wish for each person out there listening? The one thought I'd really like to leave your audience with is you can make a difference because you care about the people you work with. You can make a difference because you understand how important it is for people to play and get to know each other. You can make a difference because it only takes one person to stand up and be brave. You can make a difference. Was Scott Novus talking about how to improve your life by adding fun and games to the mix. If you'd like to learn more about Scott, download a free fun committee toolkit or follow him on social media. Just visit our website at livehappy.com and click on the podcast link. And a reminder, we still have some great deals on our exclusive Live Happy merch. Through January 14th, you can visit the Live Happy store and get 20% off everything in the store. Just enter the code HAPPY2022. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one. Mm-hmm.